1: 18 plus. It's time to go inside the film room with Veteran Scout and Coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg. It's the Football Film Room Podcast. Hello, and welcome inside the football film room alongside Veteran Scout Coach and Consultant, Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And as we go live here on twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football, which we do each and every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. Chris we have breaking news yes breaking news right as we are beginning our show here and that is the head coaching position at Auburn appears to be filled yeah Brian harson um out of the blue literally
2: it's really uh it, listen I am um I am a little flabbergasted and quite frankly um proud of auburn it's it's been um in uh, kind of Uh, dissecting what those guys are doing there. Uh, It's, you know, it's been a lot of what I would consider uh, ramrodding, you know, Kevin Steele in there. Um, Everything I heard, there was a lot of pushback. Scott, almost along the lines of Greg Channel, Tennessee, you know, like, we're not going to do that. You know, this is this is this. And, you know, there was a lot of, Not real um, interests among as they try to speak with coaches about the job, um, whether it's Bill Clark of UAB, uh, Billy Napier of Louisiana Lafayette. Those guys did not turn the job down. It was how the job was really presented in certain conditions that went along with it. Which they weren't real comfortable, and that, by I mean, is just the involvement and uh, some would say the interference by uh, a, a couple of you know strong political backers, boosters, um, uh, you know that 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 I think are are prominently known. The the it's interesting they hired them an outstanding football coach Brian Harson is an outstanding coach, uh, really good the fit is a little bit out there. I mean, it really is. It's a little bit out there. Um, It's not a guy that's really tied to the political background of the South, which I'm wondering if that has something to do with the fact that does he know what he's getting into? Um, Certainly those that are uh, the Bill Clarks, the Billy Napiers, a lot of people that are around the South. Um, What did they pitch to him? What conditions is he taking it under? Is he going to? Does he really know what he's getting into? And I've always mm. said the fit. It was, um, you know, is he going to be ready for the fishbowl that is all day, every day? Is it, what are you going to do to beat Alabama? And who are you recruiting? You know, what about the what about the kid at Fort Lauderdale Dillard High School? I mean, it's that type of a fishbowl that he's never seen before. I always thought Brian would be great, much like his, you know, predecessor at at Boise, Chris Peterson. Um, be a good fit at an Oregon, at a Washington. Um, maybe it, you know, if it opened up a um, of a USC, which has its own political, you know, tentacles to it. But Auburn is not the fit I would not have put. I mean, it would have been like the, the just not not quite the 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 match that I would have made in terms of uh, background and style in the area. So the fit's really interesting. It's going to be a lot of fun because, you know, I know the guy can coach, but mm-hmm. dealing dealing with this situation is going to be interesting. How well can he recruit? How much is, you know, in the area? Certainly staff's going to be important. I would imagine that he's going to take some people that are currently on that staff because that maybe is part of the deal. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe others were a little resistant to it. And I'm curious to see how that plays out. So I, Look, I'm excited for Brian and I'm hopeful with a big opportunity what he can do with it. And I'm excited for Auburn that this is the first time since like 1948 that they've gone after a guy that didn't have any ties to the state of Alabama or the SEC. I mean, this is outside the box thinking, and Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's good. I don't know if it's bad. I'm just excited. I think he's a really good coach. I don't know about the fit, and I'm just excited to, to see. Because so Auburn is not a like what you'd call that. that na- it's a national program, but it's more of a southern program, whereas even Alabama is a little bit more of a national fit. So I, I think this is fascinating, at least from a storyline follow.
1: Would you expect Kevin Steele to stay on staff? I,
2: I don't. I, I Listen, everybody makes that assumption that that's part of the deal. Does Kevin want to stay? Because uh, I do think Kevin thought he was going to get the job. That was uh-huh. the plan initially to the backlash. So that's not – that's going to be up to Kevin. I think that is part of it is that they'd like Kevin to stay. Kevin is owed a lot of money. He's in one first year of a three-year contract paying him 2.3 a year, which is the most of any defensive coordinator now in football. Bo Pelini's gone. Steve Sarkeesian getting ready to be the highest paid assistant in the country at over mm-hmm. three million a year. But Kevin still is. So if Kevin wants to leave, he'll have the freedom to do it, but he's probably going to be taking less money anywhere that he goes. Yeah. Um and so I, I don't know. The fact that this was kind of something that I think he was expecting to get the head job. I'm not 100% sure on that. And then everybody would say, oh, yeah, well, that was part of the deal that he gets. Well, I think he'll have
1: the opportunity to stay. I don't know if he will stay. Interesting. We'll we'll monitor that. Uh, In the meanwhile, let's get into the college football playoff. Uh, Before we talk about the merits of some of the teams and the debates that were ongoing, your initial thoughts on the four that were selected were the right four selected in Chris Landry's mind.
2: Well, first of all, you know, we have to understand, and I say this with all the young people. Now, you're a little different. You're younger, but you are wise beyond your years. You have (laughs) a real good understanding of college football history, even before you were even a twinkle in your parents' eyes. Um, (laughs) But, Scott, if you go back in history, and I tell this all the time for a lot of our younger audience, college football has always been about, Voting, uh, voting, anointing. I mean, we voted on a champion, you know, yeah. <laughs> for years. And then we voted to say, hey, let's put the, let's put, instead of having all the, let's put two together in a bowl game. And now we've just vote for four. Anytime you're going to vote, there's going to be some frustration, some angst, some, I don't agree with this. I don't like that. And it should be this. It should be that. Of course, it's going to be that. Some people think it's good. Some people think it's bad. Uh, the reality is, you know, in a given year, we've discussed this. We don't know how the season's going to play out. If it's some years, you might have three teams that look like they're, you know, national playoff, national championship caliber. Um, this year, they're two. This year, we could take Alabama and Clemson, put them in the game, and everybody else, you've had a really good year, but these are the two best teams. Now, now they got to both go and win, but that's it. This year. It's just the two. Uh, Some years it's more. I think, and I said it last week when we left, that Ohio State, if they win their conference, that's going to be the ticket to, all right, well, this justifies it. Because the rules say, regardless, and it doesn't say anything about six games or ten games, that's a COVID issue this year. But if you are going to take a not, because this is for the people that say Ohio State shouldn't be in. And they say it because they didn't play enough games. I get that. But if you're going to take a non-conference champion, as you know, Scott, that team has to be demonstrably better, clearly better. Yes. Without Well, I don't think anybody that's objective and looks at it can say clearly Notre Dame, clearly AM, you know, clearly anybody else is clearly better than Ohio State. I don't think you can say that. And so I thought that Ohio State would get in and go to three for a couple of reasons. All right. So the the argument then has been on about Notre Dame and a m Well, AM played its tougher schedule. They went through the gauntlet of the SEC. Well, had they really – look, the SEC is this year about four really good teams, right, mm-hmm. Scott? I mean, it's about Georgia, it's about Florida, it's about Alabama, AM. and the rest of the teams are anywhere from pretty good to mediocre to bad to just downright awful things mm-hmm. at Vanderbilt. You know, it's just so – AM beat one good team, Florida, and they got blown off of the other good team. Um, Notre Dame, no, at least SEC's got four good ones. That's more than you got in the ACC. But Notre Dame beat, even though they were not full strength, they beat a pretty good Clemson team. And I'm going to call mm-hmm. that Clemson team that didn't have Trevor Lawrence and didn't have the defensive players still a pretty good team. Um, not as good as the one that put the waylay on Notre Dame Saturday, but a pretty good team. And then they beat a pretty good North Carolina team.
1: And I think that that's – I think North Carolina is is the game that you can point to that might have put Notre Dame over the hump more Very so well than the win have. against
2: Clemson. Where am I might have? And look, you can make the case for one or the other. Neither one made – well, one of them didn't make the conference championship game. One of them um, didn't win their – so neither one was or they were a conference champion. Look, I said it all year long. In my mind, I think that Notre Dame and AM are very similarly built. Line of scrimmage, run game. Receivers have a hard time getting off press coverage. Um, quarterbacks can be really good or average, depending upon the game. Uh, can run the football well. Good defensive fronts. Um, I think AM's a little bit better in the secondary. Um, I, I, I think A&M's a little bit better up front defensively. but. Th- both defenses are good. I think uh, both offensive lines are outstanding. I think with Spiller, a and has got a more explosive back, but still a good run game. I prefer Ian Book more consistently, although mm-hmm. Mon at his best is really good. And I love the tight ends on both teams. Notre Dame has more of them, but they're all very, very good. I thought a was a tick better all year, but we also are dealing with a lot of
1: recency bias, aren't we, Scott? Yeah, of course, uh, and and also we're dealing with the outcome of the game being what it was with yes, Clemson and Notre Dame. That's Hypothetic- what I mean. Hypothetically speaking, if Notre Dame converts a touchdown there on the drive in which they got zero points early in the game and they go up 10-0 in that game instead of 3-0 and then Clemson comes and scores, that's one extra touchdown and then let's say Notre Dame gets another one at the end of the game, whatever. And instead of 34-10, to 10, it's 34-24 it's as the final score. Are we even hesitating to put Notre Dame in at number four? No. no, no the only I, reason why there's any hesitation is because the score was 34-10, to 10, Chris. Yeah, and that's right. i are saying, oh, well, they got their doors blown off, so they don't deserve to be in here. Right. Well, you and know what? Again, Texas and m got their doors blown off by Alabama. But it
2: was earlier in the year, and so people tend to – It. it's not – we live in the world of what happened, what's on our phone two minutes ago. Mm-hmm. And 10 minutes ago, we were like oh, aghast about we got something else to talk about. That's kind of the way the world we live in. I think you just hit on it. That's the reality. Look, so in my mind, um, if Notre Dame was playing Tennessee and A&M was playing Clemson last Saturday, I, I don't know that the results would be a whole lot different. And then we'd probably be saying – Oh man, a just got blown off by Clemson. Now I know I realize it'd be a second loss. I get all that. But my point is, is I think people, listen, very few people can be objective, particularly when it comes to Notre Dame, um, cause people hate Notre Dame and the only people that don't hate Notre Dame are the people that love Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And so you get a lot of that. And I, you know, I don't make a case for Notre Dame. I don't make a case for a and I look at it objectively and I, I think it's very debatable and I think you could have made a case for both. I did grade Notre Dame a little bit higher this year, but not a whole lot
1: to really argue to, either and, way. And to me, it's very simple. OK, uh, there was no fourth team. OK, that's, that's it, right. And, and, and you can make I, an argument that this year there wasn't really a third. And I understand Ohio- that. I don't look at Ohio State. I look at Ohio yeah. State for what they are, and they're a very good football team. So I just don't believe that there was a fourth team. So if we're taking the teams that are left in the discussion to put at number four, here's how it goes. Texas A&M already played Alabama this year and got destroyed. Georgia already played Alabama this year and got destroyed. Cincinnati from a non-Power 5 conference who didn't quite look impressive in their conference championship game. Don't think I can put them in. They're out of the discussion. Oklahoma wins the Big 12, has looked better, but they are two-loss team and no two-loss team has made the college football playoff. Therefore, who are we left with, Chris? That is the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, and that's who they put in at number four.
2: Yeah, no, I think that's right. And and I think that, you know, unfortunately, whether we have two um, or back in the days when we had one and then we had two, now we got four. And when we go to eight and I assume when we go to eight, there'll be automatic bids, which Mm -hmm. some people are not going to like that, because there's going to be somebody that's going to be very mediocre that wins a power five league at least every now and then they're going to say, oh. Man, they don't belong, and people are not going to like that. And then you're going to still be picking a couple of at-larges, and we're going to say, oh, I can't believe they took Team A over Team B. That's ridiculous. You're going to always have that. It is an argument. And this year, um, look, I just think that is where the argument is. And I do think Ohio State, with a full season, would have looked better, been better, and I do think all year long, even – in the summer when we didn't know where we whether we play i thought they'd be three teams and i thought potentially Georgia could be that fourth, but they couldn't figure out the quarterback situation quick enough. And there has not been a fourth team, yeah. and no one, no one really stands out. And the the thought that where well, A and M deserves it, no, they don't. Notre Dame deserves it more than no, they don't. No one deserves it more than it's just you vote it, and you may not like it. You might think Miss Sweden is more beautiful than Miss Brazil. That's you know, I don't know. You like blonde hair, blue eyes. You like the olive there, skin, green eyes. Yeah. It's just you
1: know. There's going to be a discussion every single year Even when, when we had the BCS some years it worked out where it was a clear-cut top two that would play in a national championship game, and other years you had three undefeated teams, and, well, you, you just couldn't figure it out. So what did we do? We got rid of the BCS. We put a playoff in. Well, some years it works out. You're going to get four teams. Other years it's not going to work out. You know, this is a year, frankly, that the BCS would have worked, but uh, it's just not the way it, it goes. There's going to be an argument, and like you said, if they expand, there's going to be an argument over expansion, which is why your system – is the smartest system. I've heard anybody say uh, I've been screaming about it ever since you told it to me a couple of years ago. I I see it. I I see uh, it all. I love it. I I, love it. Yeah. Every time someone brings it up, I scream it. I'm like, Chris Landry told me four years ago, you pick the college playoffs after the bowl games, It's the smartest thing, or you can even just pick two teams for a national championship game. You don't have to add any weeks to the season because the game is already played a week after the New Year's six anyway. So you simply play out your New Year's six, and that's your expanded playoff. You don't need to expand the playoffs. You just need to pick the playoffs after the bowl games. And guess what? Those bowl games are the expanded playoffs. You want eight teams? Guess what? I'm going to give you 12 teams. There's six new Year's six games. That's a 12 team playoff right there. And then we're simply just going to take four out of those 12 or even two out of those
2: 12. And it gives you the flexibility to work within the season that you have when you don't know how, which where's the separation is going to be with teams. And for people who don't know Scott and I have been doing this podcast for a few years, but before that Scott uh, well-known nationally on NBC sports radio, I used to join him on his show there. So we've been talking about this college football playoff situation and college foot college football, the NFL for years and years. So, uh yeah, let's, it's, it's interesting. Hey, a couple of things. I know we got a lot to go, but just some really appreciate the feedback that the guys are giving here is I want to take a look as I can't pull them up. Uh, but, uh, Woodcheck King and, and, uh, Burns and, uh, Spartan Barton and all of you that are, that are in the, um, the chat room. Uh, I'm trying to think here. Let, let's, it, I would like to address some of these here just to, to do you think what checking, do you think the AD meaning at Auburn asserted himself or some type of compromise was reached with money guys? Yes. This was had a lot to do with the backlash of, we're not going to be able to justify doing the Kevin Steele situation. The PR situation was a mess. Um, I, I think that there was a lot of, you know, on Bill Clark, UAB guy, some people I good guy, local guy, but we're Auburn. We're going at the UAB. I mean, I think you've you've got a lot of that um that was dealing with that. So I do think this was a compromise to some degree. And as I said earlier, somebody that was willing himself to compromise on the situation. Burns says recruiting will be the key for Harson. Always is very good coach. Look, you says he was had the first choice at Boise. No one really had the first choice in the mountain West. They've got to recruit different types of guys. And actually I think like, for example, San Diego state and schools like that, if you've never been on that campus, they've had, they've got more financial resources. I think the development part's going to be the strength, but you're right. The ability to recruit at a higher level. And that's going to be interesting. That's going to see how well he can do. Um, so we'll see a couple of predictions there about Ohio
1: State and Clemson. Um and well, so Burns wants to know if Ohio State gets uh healthy guys back from COVID. And, and it's not about oh. healthy, it's about the COVID protocols, the big ten, yep. because the college yep. football playoff, let's remind people, does not have uh, uh, COVID protocols. It goes by each individual conference. So the big yep. 10 has to adjust their protocols, which were 21 days. They have to shorten that 21 day period to then allow the players like Chris Olave and others who are not eligible for the big 10 championship game to play for Ohio state in the college World playoffs. So if those players are back, how do the Buckeyes match up with Clemson? Um, you
2: know, one of my, my points has been that Ohio State's development has been retarded from the normal process of the year, it, it, over the whole year. Yeah, they've had 76 practices, but not with all the key players. And I think you saw it. I, Justin Fields has not played well. Now, maybe it's the thumb. Maybe it's, you know, key guys out. Um I don't know. didn't didn't look real sharp. So, look, I think that at their best, I think Ohio State can absolutely play with Clemson. Um, I also think that this Clemson team is more about Trevor Lawrence. And while they are talented, this Clemson offensive line is not as good as Clemson's offensive line has been, nor is their defensive line as good as they normally are. Uh, and their receivers, they don't have the T. Higgins, Michael Williams type, go get it, 50-50 balls, going to dominate, torture type. They can get open, and Trevor Lawrence, to me, is the overriding factor where I think Clemson's going to have an advantage to win this and going to give Alabama some problems. More than likely, Alabama will win and, and, and give them some problems. But I do think... Ohio state at their best could challenge here. And I will say this boy, they're going to be motivated because hmm. Dabo has done nothing but giving motivation and just the ranking them 11th and saying, well, it ain't going to take long for us to prepare. They only played six games. I mean, my goodness, Dabo. I mean, you are doing everything. Would you tell players, Scott, Hey, be quiet. Let your play through the talking. Dabo is just breaking every rule. So, I will say this, that whatever effort and motivation, I think Ohio State will bring their best. I just don't know if their best is going to be good enough, but I, I think Dabo had, been,
1: Dabo had Ohio State 11th in his coaching field. Yes, 11th, it 11th. 11th. <laughs> 11th.
2: Uh, I mean, you, tough, you, you don't think that's going to get out? <laughs> I mean, what do you think? I mean, even if you believe that, why would you? And again, it's it's a little bit of that. He's got a little bit of that um that spur you're in him, boy. I mean, yeah. He just can't take that needle away from. I mean, I don't. I don't. Just don't poke the bear. Leave it. Leave it go. But well, hey, uh, what Jack King said, Playoffs has killed the luster of the bowl games,
1: boy, hasn't it? I mean, but I, that's but that's you what know, that's the, the best problem. part about your proposal. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. The bowl games would matter again. The ratings would go up yep. for the bowl games and players would stop opting out. Kyle Pitts is not going to play in the bowl game for Florida. That's a huge, huge player that's not going to be there because he's preparing for the NFL draft. If that game meant something towards possibly being in the playoffs, Kyle Pitts is playing in that game. Yeah, and in bowl games now,
2: I mean, I can remember remember a few years ago. I mean, it hadn't been that long ago. In fact, I think the one that got the most publicity wasn't the first. But remember the uproar, because we talked about it the year that it happened. Christian McCaffrey wasn't playing in the Sun Bowl. And yeah. they said, whoa. I mean, it was like news story. I can't believe it. And it was back and forth and back and forth. Scott, now the assumption is, well, nobody's going to play. I mean, the assumption is uh, when people say, Chris, you think so-and-so is going to play in the bowl game? Um, my th- my news story is probably not. And if they do play, it's like, whoa. He's going to play that. That's how quickly it's changed. That's how marginalized the bowl games are. And, and even in, in Scott, you mentioned pitch. That's a new Year's six game. That's the best bowl games that are not the playoffs and it ain't happening there. And, and you know what? I mean, I haven't heard anything. I guess Kyle Trask is going to play. I, 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 would it shock me if he decided not, not to play shocking at all? No, it just, it, it, you know, it, that would have been like a stop the presses story. Now, I don't know that we should be shocked if something like that happens. I'm not saying that he is it. I think that he probably will because we would have heard it by now, mm-hmm. but but that's the type of situation we're in. The, the bowl games are nothing more than um, the players that are coming back. Um, let's get some early practice and some playing time as we get towards the next year. Cause it's like, it's like the first game of next year and not the last year, the culmination of this year. And the old thing about, man, I can tell you, and I know it's been a long time. I was coaching in college. The, the, the lie I can, one of the best bowl games I can remember Scott is lining up, um, and going up against Sterling Sharp and a great South Carolina team in the Gator Bowl pre new year's day, new year's Eve. And that was, you know, they didn't have 40 bowl games in, but we lined up and it was a bunch of seniors. We had all Americans. They had all Americans. And I mean, guys were working extra to get healthy to play in the preparation. And it was the last time those guys are going to play together. That has been lost. That doesn't even exist anymore. That's like you know ancient history. I think that's sad, and I think that there is something that needs to be done to correct that. Uh, I do think you know, and I appreciate you supporting my system. I've always believed in it. Um, I think that eventually, what's going to happen is we're just they're going to do the opposite. We're going to have eight games, and it's yeah. just going to be a playoffs, which would mean it takes the bowl games and make make them less less. Mm-hmm.
1: And so that's where I think we're headed. Uh, as far as the bowl games this season, we have one underway right now. BYU with a 14 0 first quarter lead yes. Over Central Florida. That game's probably going to be you know 60 to 50 um but, but of the games that are on the schedule I mean, they're gonna hit the over before we off the yeah, air <laughs> exactly uh, of the games that are on the schedule oh, though any up. anyone's jump out to you i know we have uh uh let's see uh woodshed uh talks about the liberty coastal game uh, that's a yes. good one i'm looking forward to it's probably yes. one of the best matchups that uh that yeah, you're gonna see. Um, Oklahoma State, Miami is a decent one in Orlando. Um, let's see a couple other ones. Obviously, the New Year's Six, Florida, Oklahoma. Looking forward to that. Uh, maybe an underrated one, but you know, uh, I I think that I'd kind of want to see like how it plays out, Chris. Um, I'd like to see Oregon and Iowa State. I think Iowa State, you know, was a really good team, and and I'm kind of looking forward to that Fiesta Bowl. Oregon, you know, they won the Pac-12 by default, but, hey, they, they won the game. They beat USC, so let's see what they do against Iowa State now. I agree with those. The first
2: thing is I'm holding my breath that these games go yeah. off. I mean, we uh-huh. lost South Carolina, done. That's the second SEC game. So, basically, we started with 11 of the 14, teams in the sec were playing Vanderbilt opted out LSU opted out um you know Tennessee is now opted out South Carolina's opted out of the Gasparilla Bowl so yeah I'm I'm with you uh really you know look I mean I think what King brings it up that look the um I think the group of five teams I think Coastal and Liberty's outstanding the the ones you mentioned I echo all of those I would throw in, I'm curious to see um, how Georgia and Cincinnati plays that. I mean, mm-hmm. how excited they are. Indiana Ole Miss, a little bit intrigued there. Uh, and I'm curious to see, look, and m be pissed off. Go play. And, you know, don't show up with a, you know, with a sourpuss that, you know, you're playing North Carolina. Go and play and win. You know, I mean, it's but I sometimes I wonder if I'm asking too much cause it's like, Oh, these bowl games. And and here's the thing too. These are not bowl games. These are one day get in before their road mm-hmm. game for both teams. There is nothing, no bowl atmosphere whatsoever. Nope. And they're all Shame. made for TV and uh, just in the COVID year. So, um, I, I'm just hopeful that we get them. And, uh, like I said, already, um, you know, we're we're losing some. I'm gonna be honest with you, and I said this earlier in the week. I'm stressed to the point where I want it's not that I want the season to end. I want to get the season in. I want to get these bowl games in and I want to get mainly the playoffs because I still have now the fear of something's gonna happen. Yeah. I just something is down the road where we get some sort of notice that something's happened. And they're even throughout today, the possibility that um, it looks like most of the both sides are willing in the playoffs are willing to back it up a week. If we get the COVID issue, let's hope we don't have to do that. I but hope not. You got to think about now. And so anyway, some of these games,
1: uh, I'm curious to see how it plays out. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be wild. Uh, let's go to the NFL, Chris. Lots to talk about as we head towards the playoffs in the NFL and We'll start uh, like we do each and every week, and that is with our play of the week. And this one comes from yet another Tom Brady comeback against the Falcons. We all remember what happened in that Super Bowl. Well, this was the Bucs and the Falcons. Atlanta had a nice lead. And here we are. Nobody (laughs) breaks the lead more than the Falcons, and
2: I'm just talking this year. I mean, I'm not talking about Super Bowl back then. Mm -hmm. I mean, just this year, it's like – you just – not not if, but, you know, how quickly are they going to blow a lead? And yeah. they really outplayed Tampa for the most part. But as you mentioned, Tom Brady at work again and Antonio Brown at work. And uh, we Go ahead and play here. We go ahead and see that. So, Antonio Brown's in the slot at the top here. Watch the pre-snap motion and you take a look at it. Now, watch the movement. It really – you know you're in man coverage, right? So now Brady knows it, but you see that, but you see them back out of it. Clearly, you see it. You don't get enough depth. He turns as Brady throws the fake. So, you see Brady basically fakes out two guys. We're going to take a look at this from the end zone level to give you a better feel for what for how this play developed and how Brady made this work post snap. It happened. The pre snap stuff you don't see here. You saw it in the uh, previous move. But watch Brady – Scott, you mentioned this too when we were looking at it before we went out. Watch Brady, as you're watching this, look to his right. Boom. So he gets them biting. So the two defenders that we see – if we go back to the wide angle right here, and we'll show this here again, we'll give you another look at it as we go. Uh, I'll I'll, I'll work it through with you now that you've seen it. So as you see here, we get to take a look at it. So you will see the top defender go with the motion and then stay out and then bite in with the head fake with Brady. And the deep safety on the 30 does the same. He's going with Godwin in motion as the head fake leads both defenders to think that they're going underneath the guy. Well, look at them. Both of them conversion underneath. Because Brady led him to that, but you got man coverage, and you've got Antonio Brown, good deep throw. And Brady can't throw the deep ball anymore. I'm yeah, yeah, it. right. Uh, but he yeah. Threw, it, threw it very accurately there, didn't he? So that's a really good head fake. You'll see the head fake again. Watch it to the right. Look at it. There's now as he's doing that, both of those defenders are peeking and going. And once you're gone, you're gone. You're out of it. Protection's good. Make a really good throw. Brown's got it beat and it ain't nobody else in there. Those guys are long gone out of the play because those two guys are bouting on good one. Now, what is the coaching rule here? Well, somebody's got to have deep help of the two, and somebody, and, and it to me, this somebody is the corner up top. He's got to get out there. They didn't play that right on Brown. So they've got to take care of that, and the safety has got to help underneath. Now, it does leave the opportunity to guy at the bottom to be open, no question. But you play an inside technique, force him to the boundary, that's a tougher throw. Uh, that just wasn't played well by the Falcons. But, hey, what else is new? The Falcons' breakdown in the, the, the uh, blown leads this year have been – I have not seen more coverage breakdowns. Uh, by anybody more than I've seen of the Falcons this year. So you say, how do they give up so many leads? Well, it's a lot of things. It's a lot of, well, they can't run the football to complete games. But, guys, Scott, it's, it's also about they don't cover well and they have breakdowns in coverage that just systematically kill them time and time again. This is one play, but I could do a reel of what not to do and how not to do it. Over this entire season, in mm. fact, the new coach of the Falcons will be doing just that as they try <laughs> to this off season.
1: Uh, Burns <laughs> brings up a good question here uh, as we get into uh, the NFL Week 16 playoff scenarios, but also what we've witnessed over the past couple of weeks is the emergence of Jalen Hurts on their center for the Philadelphia Eagles. What do you think Philly will do with their quarterback situation this off season, understanding the price that is on the head of Carson Wentz?
2: Um it's going to be interesting. They're probably going to have to take some of the hit themselves, uh, even above what is to make a trade for him um, and trade him. Look, I'm, I'm curious to see, um, would, uh, Frank Wright be interested in bringing him back? You know, he had a great year in 2017 under Frank, Wright. Yeah. Uh, Carson Wentz, uh, the whole, you know, I don't, I don't buy that. We've seen him do it, seen him be successful. Um, that's coaching, that's that's utilization of personnel. That guy can be a good player. So I, I think that uh that that there's gonna be somebody that'll be interested. And look, I think he's for somebody that can't get their quarterback of the future. And um, you know, there are gonna be some teams that are gonna be quarterback shopping that will certainly have to look at their evaluation of the quarterback in this draft and look at a guy like uh Wentz. And, you know, I I, I think because we'll see what happens if Jacksonville does. How do you win out, lose out the 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 sweepstakes for Trevor Lawrence? Sam Darnold is back with the Jets. Or if the Jets somehow get the number one pick and they trade him, I think Sam Darnold's in play when the same situation that Carson Wentz is in. I think the I think he can play. I think both of them can play. I think put in better situations. Um I think that's a good possibility. I think the fact that Jalen Hurts has played well, and I think we need to let this play out because Jalen Hurts is playing well. What do they want to do? Do they feel that Carson is in the locker room? Do they feel things are not conducive to bringing Carson back? Can they get out from under this cap-wise? Um, the got – Jalen hurts under a rookie contract. I mean, there's a lot of decisions. So it's a great question. That's a little bit complex and something that quite frankly is going to have to be derived over weeks and weeks of figuring out how they want to do it. But I would say, and I would not have said this a few weeks ago, but the play of Jalen hurts would give to me some indication that there is a pretty decent chance that they're going to try to move him and may have to be creative on eating some of the money themselves to make him movable because I think that's, that's going to be uh, an issue. Uh,
1: Rich Coates wants to know your thoughts on Louis Riddick getting consideration for GM openings. You know,
2: uh, I, I, I'm, I know Mayock got the job and, you know, Gruden makes all the decisions there, and I think that's fine. I, I think Lewis is a bright guy. I think they are much more qualified guys than, mm-hmm. than Mayock or, or Riddick. I mean, Lewis has been at least Lewis is more qualified than Mayock because at least he's worked in the league. He wasn't real successful with Philly or Washington and he didn't have a job where he was a decision maker either, but there's a reason why he got in TV. The people that work with him didn't think he was a great evaluator. I, look, I think that's, if that's what they want to do, that's fine. Let me just say this, too, um, and I'm not saying this is the case. I don't want this to be taken wrong, but all of these teams have to hire a minority candidate for a GM position as well. So Mm -hmm. is he a real candidate or is he one of the minority hires? I mean, if I'm going to hire between the two, I'm going to hire Rick Smith, who's another minority candidate that's had some success in this league at two different spots, far more qualified in my mind. Um, You know, I think to me, if you have a situation like Gruden brings Mayock there, the Mayock does what Gruden tells them to do. So if it's a situation where they hire a head coach and that knows Lewis and Lewis can, that's a different situation. If Lewis is having to make decisions, I don't think that would work out well personally. I mm-hmm. mean, look, I don't want to be rude, but, there there are four more people qualified. I mean four more people, like 30, 40, 50 yeah. people in the league that are four more qualified. It doesn't mean that he won't be successful. It doesn't work. And I wish him well if he gets it. But the only reason why people talk about him, because Scott, people, the fans and the media, they know who the coordinators are. They know who, you know, are the 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 movers and shakers. They don't know the people behind the scenes. People don't know who the hell Dan Morgan and Adam Peters is. There are a lot of these people in front offices that are really, really good, Mm -hmm. good evaluators. Those are the people that I would be hiring to run my organization. Um, Not somebody that's on TV that sounds smart that I like because boy, he says good things. That's not what it's about. Look, I mean, John Gruden, was it a TV guy. John Gruden was a coach that went to TV big difference. Yeah. And I think we're having some of that, but I, I'm not a big fan
1: of it. Um, but I wish him well, if that's what he and they want to do, we will get more into uh GM hires, coaching hires in the next coming weeks. Obviously we'll have a garbage bag day and black Monday, and it's all coming up and uh, we're going to get into it all as we have, you know, further episodes here, but we have a couple of weeks left in the season. Playoff positioning is on the line. Let's go through our week 16 schedule, Chris, and it starts on Friday Christmas with the Vikings and the saints from new Orleans. and, I'll be honest with you. I thought the Vikings were going to handle the, the the Bears and put themselves right back in the mix for that seven seed in the NFC pl- uh, playoffs. But that was a bad defensive performance. It, it was a bad offensive performance. Uh, cousins did not look good, missed a couple of guys. And, well, the Saints, you know, they're looking to bounce back here, and I think this is the right spot for them.
2: Yeah, look, it's pure and simple. The Vikings have no pass rush. So it's the biggest thing. It's the biggest problem that they have. They cannot rush the passer. Now, Dalvin Cook can run the football. It's not enough here. The Saints have had back-to-back losses. Ugly loss to Philadelphia that's going to haunt them. Um, Just like the Raiders lost at the beginning of the year will haunt them. Look, the Chiefs are better, and yet I thought the Saints battled back and Breeze didn't play well and all that. I think there's some positive. The Saints are not going to get the number one seed. The defense is playing well. It's about getting Michael Thomas and Drew Brees healthy for the playoffs. We'll see if they can do that. Um, but they get it done here. Uh, I, I just, without a pass rush, I don't think they're going to stop the Saints' offense. Even though they got to get the running game going, they've got a few things the Saints need to improve upon. I like them here on Christmas. They don't always see a Christmas game. One of the best games that I've ever seen. In NFL history, was a playoff game. Yeah, a playoff game on Christmas Day. Mm. It was a two overtime game in Arrowhead Stadium. It was the Chiefs and the Dolphins, and it was a uh, double overtime game that Garry premium uh kicked the Dolphins. into one of the one of the great great games. Back in uh, back in 70, 71. In fact, it was right around the same time that the Thanksgiving Day game took place. It was the same year, the year before that the great Oklahoma, Nebraska game took place. But Christmas Day, a little a little football. I know they got the NBA stuff. I won't be watching that. I'll be watching me some Vikings and Saints.
1: All right, well, let's move on here and let's go to uh, Saturday. Boy, this is a fun week because you got game. Yeah, game of Friday. You got three games on Saturday. Yeah, Saturday, the Bucks and the Lions. Tampa Bay looking to continue their uh, their late season push here. Still in the mix for the division, kind of, but uh, very unlikely because they do lose the tiebreaker. Mm -hmm. But you know, hey, you know, stranger things have happened. But they can improve their standing here, maybe a little bit, maybe get into that six uh, that five seed instead of the succeed uh Tampa plays against Detroit
2: yeah you know um look Tampa we saw them as we just did, looked at the film and they have a slow start against Atlanta and Atlanta gets off to quick starts who else gets off to quick starts Detroit does I'm curious to see what happens here I just think look if you're Tampa and you're gonna talk big and Bruce says hey we're we can be as good as we want to be, and all this kind of stuff. You know, I I thought they kind of picked it up, but they they need to pick it up for four quarters here. I'm curious to see what they do. They're the better team. No question about it. Uh, should win here and should win going away. I'm excited to see what
1: can happen here. Uh, the 49ers and the Cardinals. Uh, you know, Nick Mullins dealing with an injury. Not sure what the quarterback situation is going to be for San Francisco. But uh, the Niners and the Cardinals, Arizona currently holding on to that uh, seven seed in the NFC.
2: Yeah. Uh, simple. Cardinals here. Come on. I mean, you've been up and down. Got to win this game. You're at home. You're playing a banged up team. Um, you got to start, you got to start getting it gone. I mean, you know, are you going to do anything in the playoffs? Are you going to make the playoffs? Scott said they would now got to hold on to it. You don't win this game. You really, you're, you're, you're playing with your playoff life and, um, don't give yourself a chance and, uh,
1: of, of, of losing out here. I, I think they take care of business here. Dolphins and the Raiders from Vegas. Dolphins currently holding the seventh seed. Raiders still alive, although they haven't done themselves any favors lately.
2: Yeah, no, uh, th- you're right. And look, I, the Raiders are not playing well enough on defense. I like the way this Miami team's playing. They're they're really good. I mean, this is a good team. I, not good like they're gonna make a run in the playoffs. I don't see that. But man, we're talking about the Dolphins. We're we're and we're talking about a a team in that division in Buffalo that's really really good. This Dolphins team has played well. Uh I I just like them here. They're the more complete team of the two, but they're still young. Uh, they, you know, uh to through a um a red zone pick was a little kind of got baited there. Can't make the mistakes here. Dolphins are better than the Raiders. The only thing would be mistakes here, costly that could cost them a game like this. They're headed towards the playoffs, Miami. You are if you take care of business here. You'll win a tiebreak over Baltimore currently with the same record. You can't lose a game like this, just like the Cardinals. You can't lose a game like this, or else you're going to lose your playoff spot, in Miami. And then you know all this nice talk about you.
1: Oh, you're going to be talking about what could have been and what should have been. Uh, the Chiefs and the Falcons. I believe Kansas City uh, has already locked up the one seed because um, mm-hmm. they have the tiebreaker. They beat Buffalo this year, so even if they lost out in Buffalo. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, no, Pittsburgh well,
2: Pittsburgh still has they, an outside
1: they, shot. Yes, yes. So Kansas City needs a win. They will clinch the one seed and the bye. Uh, they host Atlanta.
2: Well, they'll lock it up this week. You know, yeah. uh, they take care of Atlanta, <laughs> you know, the thing about Kansas City is they are not having to. They, they don't have to be super explosive every week. They're winning in at times um, with a little bit more of a running game. Look, I mean, the, what a job. I broke down the tape of the Saints and the Chiefs. What a job. The Saints did defensively against Mahomes. I mean, relatively speaking, two deep really safeties every time.
1: They did a great job.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's you just you. It's hard to outscore them. This is uh, the Chiefs are definitely the team to beat this week and beyond. They take care of business here.
1: All right. The Browns still in the race for the AFC North with the Steelers collapse. They take on the Jets. Congratulations. Got your first win. And now you're going to be with Sam Darnold for the next couple of years. Not Trevor Lawrence. Uh, but the Browns take on the Jets uh, in uh, MetLife, place where yeah. uh, they just played. <laughs> and, you know, it would be real
2: interesting. And we'll see with uh, with Pittsburgh how that plays out. But, man, w- what a game that would set up. Cleveland and Pittsburgh, uh, next week, uh, if things for work division, out yeah. this week for the division, um, if things work out, if, if the Steelers lose Browns, take care of business here, you know, the jets jets got their win. Congratulations. There or condolences, whatever, how you look at mm-hmm. it. Uh, Cleveland, yeah. You know, take care of business here. Again, you can't, can't fool around here. The Rams did, and that's kind of embarrassing for them and it hurts their situation. Uh, Cleveland takes care of business here. I think. Bears and Jags, the Jets fans rooting for the Jaguars to get their second win. Yeah, and there, there's no question about it. Bears are playing a little bit better. Um, I think the Bears take care of it. Uh, I don't. I, again, I don't buy the t- the tanking stuff. I think Jacksonville. A lot of those guys are trying to play for jobs. Yep. Uh, this is this is not a given. But I just I like just said it. You know, the performance they had against last week was was really good. I
1: I, I think the Bears are better, and they win on the road here. All right, the Giants technically still alive for the uh, NFC East. The Ravens right in the mix for that seventh seed in the AFC.
2: Yeah, look, I mean, important game. Baltimore's got to take care of businesses. They're the better team. No doubt about it. They win it. It's just a race. And I think Baltimore's dangerous, potentially, in the one-game setting in the playoffs, depending on the matchup. I think they take care of business here. They got to get in first, and we just talked about it. They're in the race right now with Miami in particular for a playoff spot and in, in, uh, certainly Indianapolis, but they got to win here, no question.
1: All right, A couple of matchups of eliminated teams, Bengals and Texans.
2: Yeah, look, Cincinnati, great performance and beating Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's reeling. Uh, you like the chances, but you kind of go on the road here. Um, you know, it's just a matter of health, who plays. I think it's a toss-up game. I'll go Houston at home, but I'm not real proud of it. And
1: the Broncos and the Chargers from LA.
2: Yeah, look, I just like the Chargers. They're the better team here, and um, you know, but they've been underachievers. I think they take care of business here. They're trying to kind of fight for um, the coaches' lives, their own players. Like this is this is a
1: better team than Denver and should win it. They're in better position too. All right, the Panthers and Washington. Washington looking to solidify their hold on first place in the NFC East. Yeah, look, I mean, Washington, this is a game you got to
2: win here. Um, You know, frustrating hearing about the quarterback and it tells you a little bit about maturity level and where they are. I I just think Ron has got a a good defensive team, a good defensive front. They're just too inconsistent on offense. Like, I mean, the the NFC East is what it is. I like Washington at home here to be able to take care of business. I still like them in the division. I can't – not that I like them. I just am uh, less repulsed by them than the mm-hmm. others. How's that? <laughs> uh,
1: well, here's the other two. You got the Eagles and the Cowboys uh, coming up, and both those teams, yes, are still alive. Yeah, everybody's still alive.
2: You can't eliminate them. I mean, they're like the cockroaches that come out when you flip the light on. You can't get rid of the door. And I, I just – Dallas is playing a little bit better now. Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts. In, in a weird kind of way, it's kind of going to be a fun game to watch. If two teams that are going nowhere but are trying to win the division, <laughs> um, I think it should be a lot of fun. I, I You know, I would give maybe Philly a, a, a slight chance on the road here. Um, but Dallas is playing a little bit better than they are right now, and and that's saying a lot
1: because the Eagles are getting a juice a little bit with Jalen Hurts. All right. Well, the Rams and the Seahawks for first place in the NFC West. If L.A. wins, they would have two wins over Seattle, so they would be your division winners uh, going into the final week of the season. Oh, we just like it. Lose to the Jets, come back
2: embarrassed, go on the road and beat Seattle. That's just how this year has been and how it might play out. Give me Seattle at home, though, but I I would think we're going to see, you know, an inspired Rams, an embarrassed Rams team that would respond. I just think that Seattle, and this is a division, too, that looked really good, felt really good about it, but it's looking pretty mediocre. I mean, the teams are okay, but I don't see anybody doing any real damage in the playoffs out of this division. Seattle at home, though, I give
1: a little bit of an edge, to. All right. The Titans and the Packers, an important game. Packers win. They clinch the one seed in the NFC Titans still in the race for the AFC South. Yeah. Look, Tennessee's good team, just like Green Bay at
2: home. Green Bay's in, you know, really good position. Um, They, um, well, they wrap up the one seed with a win. They had got a win against the saints. So, the pack just needs one more win between this week and, uh, let's see, next week they've got uh, Chicago. So they're in pretty good position, uh, situation either way. Um, I, I like Green Bay at home here. I, I think they're the they're the most – they're really the more impressive-looking team in the NFC right now. It's going to be the them and the Saints in my opinion, but home field advantage is going to be pivotal as we get towards the playoffs. But I, I kind of like them here. Although this could be a ground and pound close game. Um, Tennessee might
1: have a shot still go with the pack. All right. And then finally Monday night, the bills and the Patriots very anticlimactic because the uh, new England is eliminated. Well, I
2: like the bills. I just, the bills are a better team here. You never can count out new England, but Buffalo it's lucky grown up. This is your time. It's your division. Uh, you go ahead and take care of business. So I like the bills here. I think, I think, we skipped or maybe uh, uh, the Colts and the Steelers. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. um, That to me is a really intriguing game and so important because Steelers are not playing well. I mean, the Colts are playing a little better. And, you know, I just really sense a reeling Steelers team. And as I mentioned, if the Colts can win this game and the Browns can take care of business this week against the Jets, and I expect the Browns to take care of business, it shapes up for real interesting, I mean, who would have thought, you, unbeaten Steelers to all of a sudden reeling and now have three losses. Could it be four? I kind of think it might be. Wouldn't it be something if the Colts go on the road and take care of business against Pittsburgh? I, You know, you think all oh, the Steelers are mm-hmm. doing it. Right now, the Colts look like the better team. I'll go with the Colts here on the road.
1: Yeah, I kind of like that as well. And setting up next week's matchup in the AFC North between the Browns and the Steelers, Chris. Uh, it's, It's a great time of the year. Obviously, college football playoff bowl games and the NFL getting towards the postseason you have to do yourself a favor and head to LandryFootball.com because there's just so much football news and information that you can consume there, Chris.
2: Yeah, you know, we didn't even get to all of it, but, you know, a lot of changes on the LSU coaching staff. We're going to have some profiles on that. We're going to have – some of the breakdowns on the remaining coaching searches, what's going to go on at University of Arizona. We've got all that for you. We've got all the bowl matchups. Yeah. We've got the bowl match. Got the Central Florida and BYU that is on right now. And we've got the 21-0 preview. Cougars
1: after yeah, the first that's quarter.
2: something. Uh, boy, UCF is uh they they need to get some points in a hurry. BYU playing well. So we've got all the bowl breakdowns. Yeah, we'll have everyone and um, that, that is played, we're going to have the breakdowns, the, the roster breakdowns and the matchup for it and um, who's graded out the best this year amongst uh, the players, all the players on each of the the, the, the uh, two teams playing in the bowl game, all the NFL matchups as well. Got a lot on. We had signing day that we've kind of breaking down that uh, a lot. Obviously, the draft is in free agency right around the corner. So with coaching and coaching, um, uh personnel and the games and uh everything that's involved in the transition part of the game we've got a lot going on and scott said it's a fun time of year a lot of games uh we're going to be breaking down in detail all the playoff bowl games and obviously next week is we'll be talking about the last week in the nfl and then we're going to go into the first round of the playoffs where we're going to have triple header saturday yeah or Sundry of NFL games. We'll have all those breakdowns for you. So check it out at LandryFootball.com. Take advantage of the holiday savings special that we have. Great gift for yourself or someone in your family. If it involves players, teams, coaches, schemes, we got it for you at the college and NFL level. We got it for you at LandryFootball.com. A great gift that gives all year long. So check out uh, LandryFootball.com today. It's like having your own scouting department for less than a magazine subscription, less than
1: $10 a month, even less than that. If you take advantage of the full year membership, so Yeah, that- it's it. A- It's a no-brainer, and you can click uh, on the links on LandryFootball.com to watch our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football. You can watch all of our shows that we offer on the Chris Landry Football Twitch channel, and if you want to listen, maybe you're in your cars or at the gym, download the podcast, Landry Football's Conference Call. All the shows that we have on Twitch are available in podcast form. If you want to just listen audio only, Landry Football's Conference Call, wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, Thanks to all of our uh, the commenters, all you guys in the chat, Burns, Woodshed, Rich, Spartan, uh, you know, guys that join us every single week. Woodshed King, good job tonight. Uh, we appreciate you. Keep coming back. Keep asking your questions. We'll answer them each and every week as we come to you live Tuesday nights, seven o'clock Eastern time. Uh, right here, twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football. Follow me on Twitter at Scott's on there. You can follow Chris at Landry football. And we will talk to you again next Tuesday. Have a happy and a safe Christmas, everyone. And, uh, hey, we'll be back before New Year's because we got a New Year's six to preview. And then uh, it's college football playoff time, Chris. Absolutely. So uh, <laughs> happy holidays, everybody. Scott, to you and your family,
2: all of our listeners there. Happy holidays. Be safe. Uh, do it upright enjoy the football enjoy your family um and let's hope for better a better year but let's uh, let's be grateful for what we do have and what we have had and looks like we're going to get this football season in and uh, Scott I wasn't sure hopeful but just wasn't sure and like most people just worried about whether we're going to get it in how we're going to get it in it didn't look good it wasn't right it didn't feel right it feels goofy but you know somehow some way we've got some semblance of a season and i yes, we do. can't wait to get it done and and uh, let's it's uh let's get it finished so we can uh, look ahead to a, a, what is going to be a tremendous off season and a, and a, i think a great season next year
1: talk to you guys next week